Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am Pat Rulo. We specialize in author interviews, audiobook, and podcast production, as well as the prestigious Firebird Book Awards and the Positive Change Podcast Awards. We also feature our fun and short podcast that allows authors to share their own writing tips on the Boom Bang Oh My Gosh Wow podcast, which you will find along with the rest of our offerings at speakuptalkradio.com. But today I'm so happy to share a recent Firebird Book Award winning author with you. She is Carmen Maria Navarro and her winning book is titled Fostering a Memoir of Courage and Hope. Carmen Maria has worked in marketing and brand storytelling in top 500 companies since graduating with her MBA from Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth College in 2004. She serves on the board of Center for Human Services, a nonprofit dedicated to supporting youth and eliminating youth homelessness. Carmen Maria is a stepmom of four, a biological mom of two, and a foster mom of a few children who she loves, sometimes at a distance. With her memoir, Fostering, A Memoir of Courage and Hope, she endeavors to bring awareness to the issues surrounding the foster care system and share her passion for protecting vulnerable youth. She enjoys dancing, especially tango, food and wine and traveling. Oh, I love all of that. I'm so happy to share her with you today. Welcome to the network, Carmen Maria. Pat, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, listen, that's fine living. Tango, food, wine, and traveling. I mean, you can't get any better than that. (laughs) And writing. And and helping youth. (laughs) Oh, okay. All right. Well, we'll we'll add to the list. I love that. Tango. I wish I knew how to tango. That is such a beautiful, sensual, wonderful dance. It, it is beautiful, and it actually helps me uh, concentrate and, and have an activity that helps with my mental health. So that's, that's the one thing that I do for me. I love it. Oh, I do too. I like it. I should look into that. <laughs> All righty. Well, listen, congratulations on winning the Firebird Book Award. I was happy about that for you. Thank you. No, I'm so honored to have received this award it's, it's, as a first-time author. Uh, it's such a recognition, so I'm really grateful. So maybe give us a peek, share with our listeners what they might find in your book, Fostering a Memoir of Courage and Hope. Yeah, absolutely. This is a book with the intent of driving awareness towards the foster care system, and it's centering on our story as a family of fostering through the years. But it's specifically talking about a little girl whose fictional name is Lucy, and she came into our home, and we thought she was going to fit really perfectly with us. And uh, we didn't realize how her past trauma was going to impact us. It's, it was absolutely not her fault, but the behaviors were impacting my biological children, especially my youngest child. So as she was healing and I was falling in love with her and she was becoming my daughter, and uh, her reunification process uh, fell through, so she couldn't return to her mom. And the social worker told us at one point we went to adopt her and we encounter the situation. Do we, can we, can as a family, does the dynamic work or not? And it was an, an anguish and a very, very difficult decision to, to um, ultimately we decided to let her go. So that's what I'm getting a little bit choked up, mm-hmm. but that's what the book is centering. And as I was writing the book, I realized that I'm not on, the only one going through this and that uh, there's not, not a sufficient support system for the foster families as a whole 
and for the foster child to be successful in a foster family. So now I'm in the quest to uh, raising awareness and, and driving uh, changes. You know, I'm running into this a little bit more often than I have in the past, Carmen Maria, about the foster system and uh, the adoption process and child protective services. I just had somebody reach out to me today uh, about that. Most people, unless you're involved in this process, you're not familiar with it and what's good about it and and what's not so good and what needs to be changed. So thank you for daring to, you know, go inside of, of your soul and put it out there for people. Yeah, no, thank you, uh, Pat. Uh, the foster care system was also new for me as of some years ago. You mostly hear on the press adoption stories or adoption of foster, or, or sorry, stories of foster children who have succeeded in life after a really difficult childhood. But you don't really truly hear about uh, foster parents. And the stories that you hear are really awful. And there are awful foster parents out there. But there's also a, a lot of us who are trying to do what's right and who are trying to support these children. There are about 400 and anywhere from 420 to 450,000 foster children in the system. About 120,000 of them are looking for homes to be adopted. But all the rest. They need foster homes. And 30 to 50% of foster homes quit within the first year because of the lack of support. Mm-hmm. So, and I think what foster families need as a whole is how are we prepared? What are the resources that we could uh, have to be able to support that foster child and, and eliminate or reduce the number of transitions that that foster child has? until he can find or she can find or they can find a permanent home. Oh, wow, I have so many questions about this. So I'm I'm hoping that families that want to become foster parents or foster families are good people from the heart, that they want to do good, but they just are not prepared. There, there are a lot of uh, foster families that we receive training and background checks and, and all the requirements and the home is certified. But I consider the support system insufficient uh, from the logistics and how do you, uh, all the number of appointments that the kid has. Uh, sometimes I spend four months trying to get doctor's appointments for the intake appointment or counseling services. I'm still having issues with receiving counseling for my one of my kids. Um, we don't receive support as a family. I don't get uh I don't necessarily get maternal leave. My company is really gracious and they provide me that it's, it's not necessarily a service that is established. Um, we, it's imagine, it's like having newborns <laughs> and you require, they're not newborns, they're kids with trauma and their behaviors are sometimes intense and you need a support system uh, that will carry you through the, uh, the situations that you may encounter as that child joins your home. So what are your suggestions as far as reforming the system? What can be done? Yeah, I mean, I mean there's a, a few. To start, like the intake uh, the intake information of you, uh, you receive a child, you normally get just one liner. And I would like to know um, more about the child as the child comes in. I would like to know um, some of the aspirations and, and good that the child has done and what interests do they have. And I also would like to understand more about their behavior so I could be um, fully aware of, of how can I support the child and better prepared. 
I would like the uh, the child to come with a package of ser- with a package of services. So, for example, do they have the mental health established right away? Do they have their doctor's appointments right away? And then with support system as they join in, can we have counseling for the full family? It's an adaptation process. When the child leaves, there's grief. I I struggle. My kids struggle because we miss the child. Can we have grief counseling for the family so then we get ready faster for the next child? Those are just a few examples. Oh, my. And it truly is a family affair, I think, when people think about fostering or adopting um they're just thinking about maybe the parents, but you have to include all the other, say, biological children or maybe the other additional foster children. As It's a whole unit. It's a whole unit. It's a team. Last night, it was my husband's birthday, for example, and we went to have dinner with my foster children and their biological parents. And it was beautiful. And in this case, we've established a beautiful relationship and a beautiful team and we're supporting the reunification as it should be. But sometimes it's not the case. And you need the collaboration of the social worker, of your mental health team. And uh, and of course, it's with the biological parents as well if the kid is going into reunification. So um, it's a full team, inclusive or permanent kids in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as your book explains, you know, at what point do you focus most of your energy on the new child that you brought in and then you still have your biological children who are trying to deal with this that you know how do you balance that that's that's the key question that the book um um, really tries to address i'm just sharing my experiences but uh it's it's really delicate so the child that comes in imagine it's a child that is hungry for love and hasn't uh, and hungry for attention. And it's not that their prior family did not uh, love them. They are, uh, they're um, most likely loved all around, but they need that attention and they have trauma. So they, uh, they require for us to be focusing the majority of the time on having that child set up in the home with uh, adapting to the family. Normally there's changes in school situation. And, uh, and and it takes a while, and that takes focus from your current children. And we need to make sure that our current children are also, <laughs> um, we need to be aware that they're also impacted. In some cases, they share room. They absolutely share time. Uh, they, they share their toys. <laughs> mm-hmm. We are asking them um, as much as we're asking adults to, to be mindful of these new children and these new family members and their only kids. So some of the things that have worked for us, for example, is dedicating specific time to to each of our uh, biological children. Uh, we have a code word, for example, if um, if the child is uh, being too disrupted uh, for them, we ask them to give us a code word. Uh, so, for example, in the book, I say that my youngest child's code word is guitar. So every time they say guitar, I know that there's an issue that I need to address. Mm-hmm. Very, very... Um, and that's just a few examples. Mm-hmm. Very wise. And then I also imagine as a mother, you know, everyone thinks, okay, um, a mother's feelings and thoughts, emotions are always loving and pure. 
I imagine that going through this, it's it's not always black and white. And then you've got the feelings of guilt, I would imagine, as a parent when you're not feeling what everyone says you're supposed to be feeling. <laughs> it's because in foster care, everything is nuanced. Uh, nothing is black or white. There are so many, there's so many feelings when the child comes in because you're excited that you're going to get a new family member. But for that uh, kid to be in your home, something horrible had to happen. So there's trauma involved. So there's also the guilt that you feel mm-hmm. as the child gets in. When they're here for the child to heal, you give them your heart. And that's the only way uh, that 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 the family uh, could work together if you really truly uh, embrace the child of, as your own. And then at the time that they leave, I mean, you grieve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're losing a child. But simultaneously, you're really happy because uh, most likely they went to uh, a permanent home or they went and got reunified. So all the emotions that we have are valid. And uh, and I've felt them all. And there's other cases in which the child somehow was not a good fit. And the decision, we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little bit taboo, but the decision to let the child go is really difficult. You are always questioning what could you have done differently right. or better. Right. And uh, and it's okay to feel it all. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. not easy. It's all our feelings are valid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh my, let's talk about your cover because there's something special about that, a little bit haunting. You know that there's a story behind the story. So maybe give us a peek into what goes on with your cover. Oh, thank you for asking about the cover. I um, um, It has a lot of meaning for me. So the cover is, uh, for those who haven't seen the book, is in a teal color and it has a uh, an orange Lily uh, coming out of the cracks of the cement. And to me, it all represents the foster care system. For a child to be in your home, there had something that had to be broken. So the child comes with trauma. And, uh, and ideally, through, through the time that they have with us, they somehow heal. So something beautiful happens. And we also fall in love with them. And, and there's love that flourishes through this very difficult situation. So that's how the flower comes out of the crack of the cement. Mm-hmm. So the flower color is orange, and that to me is courage. And then hope is uh, represented by the teal of the whole book. Oh. So it was very meaningful to me. And it's also a reflection of my own journey. You have to have courage to um, get into this with the possibility that you'll get hurt mm-hmm. and also the possibility of growth. And you do it over and over because once a child leaves, then we grieve a little bit and then we start again. <sighs> you are a beautiful person. Oh, Thank you for helping me share the message. Absolutely, for sure. Is there anything we missed that you wanted to highlight today? Yes, um, we've talked about the foster family um, in, in the book, but I want to also emphasize foster children need support. And there is about 23,000 children that age out of the foster care system every year without a family. And we could all help. We could be mentors to them. We can, uh, 
we can provide them jobs if you have a company that that has the opportunity to provide them jobs you can teach them financial skills they need sometimes to learn how to drive so um the outcome for fostering youth that age with us a family is really terrible um there's pipelines for sex trafficking for example a statistics about sex trafficking is that between 60 and 75 of sex traffic victims came from foster uh care so Think about what can you provide to the foster children, even if it's not a home, um, so we avoid them being alone after they age out. Mm-hmm. Lots going on with this issue, and more than we're even beginning to scratch the surface here today. But um, I think your book is a good start. This conversation is as well. And so I want to make sure that we share any and all places folks can find out more about you, um, get copies of your books, whatever you think is important for our listeners to know as, as far as ways to reach out, please feel free to share. Great. Thank you. Yes. Uh, I have a website. It's called Carmen Maria Navarro at, uh, sorry, dot com. Carmen Maria Navarro dot com. You can also reach me at Carmen Maria Navarro at iCloud dot com. And the book is available in Amazon, both Kindle and paperback and Barnes and Noble. Right, thank you. So we're speaking with Carmen Maria Navarro. Her book is titled Fostering, A Memoir of Courage and Hope. And her website is her name, CarmenMariaNavarro.com. Carmen, I was very much looking forward to this conversation today. And uh, you've given me a lot to think about. And I know you've given a lot for our listeners to think about. You're also an inspiration and and give hope to to the world out there. So thank you for being you. Thank you for what you're doing. And thank you for sharing your book with us. Oh, Pat, thank you so much for having me here and, and helping me raise awareness.